on this episode of Obscure Obsessions. I want to be cremated. I want my ashes sprinkled in shark-infested water. And chummed. And right. chummed, yeah. Which, by the way, cruise ships, not notoriously fast. Megan, what's your favorite Die Hard movie? I don't see any Riveting discussion there. He got uh, snapped. He yeah, got, yeah, right. He got he Thanos got, flipped right. out of here. Thanos got there before anyone even knew it. <laughs> well, See, Die Hard is not a sequel to Heavyweights, Megan. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Yay! We need those those what are those those kazoos. Kazoos. Yeah, yeah. We'll put those in, in post. Welcome back to Obscure Obsessions. I am your host, Nick Zaccario, and I am joined, as always, by my cousin and co-host, Taylor Zaccario. How are you doing over there, Taylor? I'm fine over here. How are you? I'm fine. And uh, this is an exciting 4th of July special. It's a special in various ways. True. One is that it's special in that we are talking about the independence of our country. Right. America. <laughs> and number two is we have a new addition to the... Obscure Obsessions family. Right. Though not a new addition to our own family. No, because she's been with us for 23 just beautiful years, right? And uh, this is a character whom you've heard about mentioned quite a lot, actually, on the show. Actually, yeah, that's true. I think true. from the very first episode. Megan is the one who told me that in the 1970s there was a Zoom in the, in the <laughs> 70s. You informed me of that. And she will be on the show occasionally sparing not all the time she's better in smaller doses trust me <laughs> and she will be our unpaid researcher she's actually paying us to be on the right, show she's, she's she's paying us to be on the show she will not have her own mic and her role will consist mostly of me shouting questions at her and her shouting back hopefully the answers to the questions i just shouted out right and the answer i don't know doesn't constitute right. an answer and she is She's my sister, she's, by the she's way. She's your sister, my cousin. Let's welcome to the show our new researcher, Megan Zaccario. Everyone, give her a round All of right, applause. All right, that's enough. Okay. Hi, Me Megan. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right, well, that's enough of that. You're mm, actually please, settle down. You're our first... Will she be our first guest? She'll be the first guest on the Obscure Obsessions she's, podcast. She's kind of half guest, half... She's like uh, when Frasier initially appeared on Cheers. He wasn't ah. on every episode. Actually, she's more like Lilith. Who was his? Oh, okay. His his wife. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Megan, for being here, and uh, we are going to ignore you now because we're not going to get into the episode. Well, until we have a until question. until we have a question, so you can go play with your phone over there. So today we're going to talk about movies to watch on the Fourth of July. Fourth mm -hmm. of July, by the way, is my I think my second favorite holiday. Really, Megan? What's my first favorite holiday? Is it Halloween? Halloween. Who's <laughs> the last time you saw me dress Taylor, up? Taylor actually abhorrently I hates hate sweets. Halloween. Megan, I'm, I'm on a keto diet. I cannot possibly enjoy <laughs> Halloween. Well, I just thought because you like to be scary. You know? Well, I'm naturally scary. That is true. This, that, this isn't about his environment. Christmas is my favorite holiday. Right. Okay. I actually like Fourth of July more than Thanksgiving. And I don't quite... I, I mean, I like the, the, like the food and the... It's, the it's barbecue type Barbecue, of... warm weather. And I... So you take a lot of pride mm -hmm. in this holiday and sort of what to watch and I do how to spend the fourth and I have certain traditions that I do every same way I have traditions on um, Christmas mm -hmm. before I go on vacation right I used to have a tradition before I started a new day of school when I was in college oh, that's right. I remember this. or graduate school I used to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory every day before the first day 
Very interesting. <laughs> and by the way, if you're finding this interesting so far, how far have you fallen? <laughs> this is interesting to you. But do you have any kind of Fourth of July viewing? You know, it's it's weird. I tend to traditions oscillate between usually watching some kind of movie that is sort of tropical summary mm-hmm. or even a uh, sports movie that's like a baseball movie like oh, uh, okay bad news bears is big in this house the rookies um was it the rookie the there's the rookie the rookie but then there's also uh and rookie you, of the year i know you like angels in the outfield right which one megan a league of their own league of their own okay but i'm talking about ones i want to watch yeah. So that's that's a good that's a good idea. I, I was gonna eventually throw it to Megan, but uh, she'll just throw it at us. <laughs> uh, don't you like the Angels in the Outfield movies? Yeah, I mean, well, the first one is still the best one, I believe. Megan, is that the one that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in? It is. Great. And isn't Brenda Vicker in that? Brenda, from Inspector from, Gadget? No, from Home Alone Two. She's the pigeon lady. Oh. Megan, look up Brenda something from home alone, alone too. she played the pigeon woman yes she was in. she a, was in there yeah that's Maggie nelson was her character so you watch kind of sports slash uh, there's no movie you watch every single year not necessarily the other one that tends to fall around the fourth for some odd reason is the broken lizard movie club dread which oh. is essentially a horror comedy inspired by like friday the 13th and interesting Halloween. What, what, what was the name of that that's Club Dread. Club Dread, not Club mm. Paradise. And not Club Med, which no. is, you know, the, the, the parody. That's mm. like we were talking last week about teen movies and ripoffs of famous teen movies. Right, right. We were talking about one that was essentially Fast mm. Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. But the ripoff movie was called Long Nights at Montclair High, <laughs> which is clearly. Now, I have every year, I always watch one movie in particular. I, I know the answer to this it's one. It's my favorite movie of all time. I've referenced this movie probably, I think, in every episode so far. Or some... Or some sequel to it. Sequel of it. My favorite movie, Megan? You only get one guess. One guess. Well, we've now created Dead Air. Well done. (laughs) Heavyweights? No. What sequels of Heavyweights are there? (laughs) Die Hard. Well... Die Hard is not a sequel to Heavyweights, Megan. (laughs) Also, that's a Christmas movie. My favorite movie is Jaws. Jaws. Megan got it on the fifth try. That's that's our researcher, everybody. (laughs) And th- that is a obviously a summer movie. It's also technically a Fourth of July movie because it takes place mostly on the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. In fact, the epi- the title of this episode, "You Yell Barracuda." You yell Barracuda. Everyone goes, "What? What? Hey, you yell shark." We got a panic on our hands on the Fourth of July, <laughs> which is amazing because Murray Hamilton is in my favorite movie of all time. He's also one of my least favorite movies of all time with Dustin Hoffman. Where he graduates from college. Oh, the graduate. <laughs> he comes home. I That's a movie I hate. That would not make it to my 4th of July list. That's a legendary rant that you have on the graduate. <laughs> right. But Jaws, I think, is, is not only a perfect movie. It's also a perfect 4th of July movie. Because mm-hmm. you want to go to the beach at... Well, I want to go to the... This is why I'm slightly <laughs> demented. I watch Jaws and I want to go to you the wanna beach. You want to go to the shark and beach. I want to go into the water. Well, I've told you, when I die, I want to be cremated. I want my ashes sprinkled in shark-infested water. And chummed. And right. chummed, yeah. So, Jaws, for me, perfect 4th of July movie. Watch it every year. I also always watch... And I shouldn't say always, because I went back through my notes... Because mm-hmm. I keep records of everything I watched for the past three years. And I used to always watch, on 4th of July, mm-hmm. the original Twilight Zone. Was it a specific set of episodes or just well, in general you would watch The reason it? I watched that is because on the Sci-Fi Network, they used to do a, a yearly 
marathon of mm-hmm. Twilight Zone. So I just kind of got into the habit of watching tw- Twilight Zone episodes. Okay. And the last few years, well, I don't have cable in my room anymore. I have um, the various streaming, streaming service. So I, the past few years, I hadn't watched it regularly. Mm-hmm. But I always, always watched at least five or six episodes when when they would do it. Then sci-fi, I heard, not only did I stop getting sci-fi in my room, but sci-fi stopped showing Twilight Zone on the 4th of July, and it was picked up by a channel called Decades. It's what TV Land was supposed to be before TV Land drifted into like this original content, and it has one of those funny marathon names called Rod, White, and Blue, after Rod Serling. Okay. But Twilight Zone is one of my favorite. If I had my top five favorite shows of all time. That makes it in there? Definitely my top five. Wow. But here's here's what happened recently. I'm sure all of our viewers know this and are horrified to have learned that this has happened. Clearly the research department is. Clearly the research department is aghast. (laughs) I read a few weeks ago that they were removing Twilight Zone off of Netflix. Oh, that's right. You did tell me this. Where it has been on for years. Why, Megan? I don't know exactly. Because of some kind of probably rights issues. Well, I'll tell you exactly why. Because it's also on Paramount Plus. Plus. That's right. And so I was in a predicament because I wanted to watch Twilight Zone on the 4th of July. And it has to be right now. now it's going to be removed from Netflix. Right. I thought, do I want to also get Paramount Plus? Mm-hmm. But I also thought there's a lot of good content like um, special features and stuff. If on, you just get it on DVD. On, uh, so I got it on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I use I use my noodle right. because the D, the Blu-ray is very. I mean, it's the whole. It's all six. How many seasons? Five seasons. So it was you know up in like the eighties. But using my the old noodle. Right. I had a what's that called? Gift card. American Express gift card that I hadn't used. Oh, okay. And so I used it on that. So I, I got it for I got it for you know whatever whatever it was. The price was. However, I have a major major complaint oh no the box is crap the box is crapola the box is broken is dookie (laughs) no the box it comes in one of these thick plastic boxes and it's square i mean it's a box and it has curved edges oh i know what you're talking about and 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 there's a whole bunch of dvds obviously for Mm -hmm. five seasons and they're on these plastic flaps Oh, you're right. Are, you were telling me about this. That are and stacked on top of each other. And they're broken. And if you... No, that was my Beethoven. Oh, That was my right. Beethoven 8-pack. Similar problem. <laughs> but these are all stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And when you flip the top flap or the second flap, it dislodges from the flap beneath it. Very strange. So you have all these flaps. So I'm not happy and I'm really steaming about it, to be quite frank with you. But I looked it up, and I'm not the only one with this problem. Many purchasers. So if you go and you want to buy the Twilight Zone Blu-ray... I guess stay away. Be aware that you may have this problem. So far, it's okay. The other thing is that they're really tightly snapped in there. Oh, so you really got to, like, force them out. And I'm not the most... I mean, I'm... uh, I can be gentle. But you're not the most common collective. <laughs> not, not the common, right. My temperature has flared. <laughs> so I have to be careful with it. But so far I'm enjoying the content. The, the picture quality is good. And I'm preparing to watch it on, on the 4th on the fourth of July. So should we start to get into some uh, recommendations? Yeah, so these things? are movies and TV shows that we feel are good ways to both celebrate the holiday and just happen to find a way... To be connected with the holiday. Right. And now, what exactly constitutes a 4th of July movie? Right. When we first talked about this episode and we Googled 4th of July, I thought it was going to have a whole list of movies, you know, set on the 4th of July. Some of them are. Some of them are. 
But what websites seem to list as being 4th of July appropriate vary. I think that the big issue that we found in our research with this was that any movie that these websites or articles were classifying as 4th of July movies seemed to just have the word America in the title. Right. Or just it felt a need to only signify movies that were about patriotic moments or uh, historical events or... Right. Most of these movies seem to be either set in the summer be about some kind of American historical event. They don't mm-hmm. talk about the Great Wall with no. Matt Damon. Or they are patriotic in some sense. Well, either it's about a- there was a deviation, I suppose, with Independence Day. That one usually found its way to the top of right. the list. Or it but, was set on 4th, 4th of July as the other criteria. But the other one that would be like right behind it is The Patriot. Or The Sandlot. There's this loose connection yeah it's very strange what so in choosing our picks for today we've picked movies or tv which are either set in the summer about history or what's the other one (laughs) what was the other criteria or they were on the fourth of july set on the fourth of july yeah so that's where we're going to come at you with Mm mm-hmm so I'll start with some... I've already kind of recommended Twilight Zone. But these are the specific ones. So, yeah, I'm just going to list a few, and then I'll, I'll recommend one that I think is particularly good for the 4th of July. Okay. Okay, here's here's a list of some that just off the top of my head... Well, not my head, on my... Cellular device. On my cellular, cellular device. <laughs> Walking Distance, Masks, Eye of the Beholder, Night Call, I Shot an Arrow in the Air... The Shelter, that's the one I told you about, about the bomb shelter. Oh. A World of Difference, The Hitchhiker, and one of my favorites called Nick of Time. Is that the one with Mr. William Shatner? There's two... But is that the one with the uh, The fortune teller, yeah. Mm -hmm. There are two... Megan, look up for me um, what season the episode of Nick of Time was in from Twilight Zone. There are two. Yeah, you got it? Nick of Time... Was season two, episode seven. Okay, season two. Look up um, Nightmare at 30,000 feet or whatever that was. Type in William Shatner. Oh, that was him. That was William Shatner. Right. You, you can you can say it out loud. It's actually 20,000. Oh, 20,000. We've established well, no, the, not the year. The year is not 20,000. No, but it's 20,000 feet. We've established the audience that I can't do math. What season was that? Cause, Se- season five. Okay, so the, there are two. Wow. <laughs> you okay there? Megan just gasped. Yeah. <laughs> There, oh. there are two Shatner episodes. There's the, the Nick of Time episode from season two, and then there's the Nightmare one where he's in the airplane. That's the more famous one. Where, every, where he sees the guy there's on the like, plane, there's right? There's something on the wing. That's the more famous one. But I like Nick of Time better. Because that one I remember being really disturbing. That's Because that one is he and his wife, you know, the characters, they're a young married couple, and they go to this diner somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they each table has this little, what was it, Megan? A good one. Oh, I like that oh, Megan likes it also. The diner was good, the or diner? the the episode was good. The, the episode. episode. Oh, okay. The and they episode was good. Megan, Megan is agreeing with me. This is the first. Wow. And you go into the diner, and they have these, like these fortune teller machine toys at every table. Table, mm-hmm. and they start playing it, and it's like a, a magic eight ball where you ask it a question, it gives you an answer, and they start to believe what the fortune teller teller is saying to it. And that one episode had a bit of a an Americana feel to it. So that's kind of appropriate for for the July. But the one I actually want to recommend is called Back There. 
I don't think I know this and one. And it's with Russell Johnson, who you might know as the professor on Gilligan's Island. Really? Who was never able to fix that damn boat. <laughs> and in this episode, Russell Johnson plays like a, like a DC socialite mm-hmm. who somehow travels back in time to the night that Lincoln was going to be shot. Oh. And he's trying desperately to prevent, prevent Lincoln from being shot. Right. And of course, the time after time syndrome, No one, <laughs> there's no dead hookers in this episode. Oh, okay. There's I no McDonald's. But Russell Johnson is trying desperately to stop Lincoln from being assassinated. Mm-hmm. It has a pretty good twist at the end. I was able to figure out the twist, but I'm right. trained to do that. But that was that. That's an episode I would definitely recommend for Fourth of July because it has like it has a, a historical, historical, you know, about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, Mask is another good one. Any of those Twilight Zone episode is about not any. There are some that are really hit or miss, but I would definitely recommend back there season two. The professor from Gilligan's Island meets Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. That's my. That's first, pretty good. That's my first choice. So I want to sort of take it back to a few weeks ago when we were talking about PBS Kids. Oh, okay. That was so so long ago. Now, this episode... Well, uh, rather, I'm going to actually recommend the whole series because okay. this has oh, the vibe. I think I know what you're going to You're gonna probably going to know, right? Now, I can't speak for everyone, but I know at least in the area that we grew up in, a lot of the elementary schools would show a program called Liberty's Kids. That's right. And it was, I wouldn't say an essential part of history class, but it always found its way into almost every single elementary school social studies class that I had. Now, were they time travelers? No, I believe that it was just a group of kids who were writing the journals of... Right. They were sort of, you know, journaling their lives. Tell tell the plot, I guess. So Um, it really follows two... Uh, American teenagers, mm-hmm. and I believe one who is either French or British. What's his name? Pierre? It's pro- he's probably right. Megan, look up the names of the three kids on Liberty's Kids. Yeah, I don't know why I'm guessing. Megan, Megan's right there. She can do it. And then and then they, they're these three kids. And they find themselves in different sort of pivotal moments of the American Revolution. Right. And each episode was, you know, that 25 minutes or so. But they were kind of like... I dare to say Looney Tunes of American Revolution. Right. But it was still the educational stuff that they showed on PBS, but it had the fun and the energy of being a well-drawn cartoon and a well-animated show that it was easy enough to watch a few back-to-back and feel like, oh, I'm learning a little bit and I'm being entertained. Right. You got, the, got those names? The characters on Liberty's Kids, the three kids are James, Henri, and Sarah. Henri. Henri. Right, with a silent H. The whole, and I remember they interact a lot with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Who is voiced by Walter Cronkite. Oh, my. Who was a famous, probably the most famous news journalist of all time, mm-hmm. who announced when Kennedy was assassinated and when we went to the moon. And Liberty's Kids, I remember, you learned stuff, but it wasn't force-fed to you. It didn't play down to you either, from my memory. Right, It right. didn't try to I make I haven't the... seen Liberty's Kids in a very long time. No, is but- Is Liberty's Kids still on? No, no. I when believe did, that did, it was. When did it go off? Two thousand two to two thousand three. It was one year. No, that seems wrong. No, can't be. You're fired. <laughs> We're bringing in someone else now <laughs> as a research department. Bringing in another relative. <laughs> but I. 
Well, first episode was September 2002, and final episode was April 2003. That's wow. How many episodes were there? Forty. Whoa! Wow, my mind is blown. I my mind is like a firework. <laughs> we are going to believe some of the guest stars that were. Oh, who like, who were some of the guest who, stars? Who the guest stars? We had Dustin Hoffman as Benedict Arnold. Wow. Sylvester Stallone as Paul Revere. Whoa. Billy Crystal as John Adams. The British are coming. The British are coming. <laughs> hey, yo, uh, yo, Adrian. Uh, the British are coming. I got a turtle Michael or something. Douglas as Patrick Henry. Uh, Michael Douglas as who? Patrick Henry. Jeez. Well, give him liberty or give him romancing the stone. Ben Stiller <laughs> as Thomas Jefferson. Wow. Uncle Tony himself. <laughs> wow. Liam We're dogging it, Franklin. We're dogging, We're dogging it. it. Well, Liam, I can't. Liam Neeson as John Paul Jones. Wow. So uh, yeah. So this was Andrew a... Reynolds as Alexander. We'll never be able to stop her now. She's okay. On, now she, we can, yeah we can put that to a close. She's on a list. Yeah. But, but that's crazy. Schwarzenegger as. <laughs> Baron wants... I was going to say, who did they get? Oh, shorts. He was John Adams. <laughs> I'll be back, Annette, George. And Annette Benning as Abigail Adams. Oh, that's a weird... That's a, that's a weird one. That's That makes it even cooler and crazier because you had all these... And I didn't like, know it as a, 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 at the time. No, there's no way I, I would have known. But now I recommend it even more. So if you haven't seen an episode of yeah, Love of the Kids... I bet, I bet you can dig it up. On, uh, There's got to be a way to watch it. I'm almost positive it's actually on DVD. Oh, it, oh, it was definitely because I had I had a VHS, I think, even of it at mm-hmm. one point. I have the whole series on DVD upstairs. Oh, you do? Whoa! Yes. Well, I didn't even know it was in my own house. <laughs> There's a whole. We got it. We got it at Barnes and Noble. Wow. Liberty's Kids, check it out. We didn't. I don't think we got it to Liberty's Kids in the PBS. Kids I don't episode. think so. Okay, so the one I'm going to recommend, I've, I've told you a little bit about. This movie you're talking about. Yeah. I'm t- talking about a movie. It's an 80s movie. Okay. It is one of the most 80s movies you've ever seen in your life. Right from the beginning, you know, oh, this is the 80s. Okay. <laughs> it's a famous cult movie. It's a Disney movie. Actually, both my recommendations today are Disney movies. We're representing. Hold on. So it's a famous 80s movie. I told you this movie already. Remember? Is it, is it a science fiction movie? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, good. So Nick will be surprised. Well, okay, Megan, what? Escape to Witch Mountain? No. Good guess, though. Fly of the Navigator. Oh, you're right. Which is a movie that I've heard about for years and years and years as being one of the top cult underappreciated films. Mm-hmm. But I just never either was interested in it or I never found it. Yeah, I never got around to it, but I, it's saved in my Disney Plus Yeah, list. well, that's where I, I've watched it. I've watched it now twice. And it's a really brisk movie that really, really moves. It's only mm-hmm. an hour and a half, and it, it takes advantage of every second, but it's always a forward momentum. Okay. Here's the plot. There's a kid named David. Now, the only kid I can think of who had an interesting name in any of these movies was Bastion Balthazar Bucks. <laughs> Bastion short for Sebastian. Right, every time, it was always some kid like, John, Tom. I want to meet a Tony or a Lorenzo or something. Or Peter. Or Peter. Right. Or a Taron was in uh, Black Hall. That's, so that's one. That's one. That's one deviation. So here's the plot of Fly the Navigator. David, he's a 12-year-old boy, and he lives in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Cape Canaveral, NASA? Oh. Space? I see what aliens, they're doing. Perhaps. Perhaps. And actually, the the movie kind of has a slight Twilight Zone feel to it, now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. He goes out one night to play. He falls into, like, this ditch. He gets out of it, and he comes back home, and everyone has aged eight years. 
Whoa. And everyone thinks he's been dead for the for past eight years. eight years. Something has happened where he has been gone for eight years, and everyone is older. It's like his his little brother now is is older than him. Is older than him. He got uh, snapped. He yeah, got, yeah, right. He got he Thanos got, right. out of here. Thanos got there before anyone even knew it. <laughs> and he's taken to a, a laboratory to be studied. Uh huh. They find out he's spent the last eight years in outer space. In deep space, because his, his brain has knowledge that no one else could possibly have. And in his brain, he has star maps of galaxies that have yet to be discovered. discovered. Huh. Being an 80s movie, there's a robot that comes in to deliver the mail and food. Of course. It's operated by Sarah Jessica Parker, a young Sarah Jessica Parker. Really? This was 1986. Wow. So it was a few years before uh, Hocus Pocus. She'd already been in... A television show called Square Pegs, but she's, so is she like an adult still, or was she kind of no, in that she's, teenage? She's supposed to be a teenager because she's got okay. purple hair because this is the eighties, right? <laughs> and we put purple in her hair, and we went to a concert, and it was rad. And we had long hair and perms. Oh, not me, but uh, they're he, they're going to keep this boy to study him. The spaceship that took him is the Navigator. No, he's the Navigator. Oh, okay. Shows up. They have a telepathic connection. And the spaceship breaks him out of the lab, mm-hmm. and they go on the run together. Whoa, okay. The spaceship is voiced by Paul Rubens. Mr. Pee Wee Herman now, himself. here's what's really interesting. He doesn't use his real name in it. He goes by Paul Mall for some reason. Most of the film, the spaceship, voiced by Paul Rubens, mm-hmm. is using a different voice. So, like, you don't know at first it's Paul Rubens. Okay, then at a certain point, the spaceship wants to take the map out of David's mind that's been implanted there. And for whatever reason, he now becomes more human-like the ship. And by sounding more human-like, he now sounds exactly like Pee-wee Herman as oh, a spaceship. No. <laughs> he does the whole, the whole Pee-wee laugh. Hi! Yeah, he does. He talks exactly like a spaceship. Or not like a spaceship. He talks exactly like, like Pee-wee. Pee-wee Herman as a spaceship. Do they do that thing where it's a projection of him as no, a human it's just no it's just like a, like a, it's like a robot claw it's, it almost looks like dr octopus's claw like uh, oh, the okay. Alpha molina claw mm-hmm. and then they go on the run my favorite scene is where david doesn't remember where he's been the past few years and he doesn't mm-hmm. remember that he's been in a spaceship but he's, he's sort of like getting into it and he's learning how to drive the spaceship uh-huh. and the ship goes down to a car that's driving by they, they're trying to get directions to go home okay and, and the um spaceship picks up the radio Right, and then there's this scene where where the Beach Boys are playing, and <laughs> David's driving the car and he's singing, "I'm getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip." Right. I wanna... And the... <laughs> another good moment is they land at a um, a gas station. This really big, hefty guy mm-hmm. walks out of the, the gas, gas station, station and he yeah. stands there and he's staring at the ship, dazed. An entire scene happens, but he never changes his expression of standing there completely dazed by the That's spaceship. I'm just standing there staring at it. It's a really good movie. It's it's fast-paced. It's an intelligent film. And it's a fun movie. It's it's a fun family film, a fun 80s film. You know, and it's set on the 4th of July. Okay. Between the, both eight years. The main bulk of the film takes place over a few days. Got it. But it does kind of sound a little bit like Explorers. It's, I mean, it's similar to Explorers, and it's, the re- it's actually the reverse of E.T. Oh. Because in E.T. Okay. They're trying to get the alien home. In this, the alien spaceship is trying to get the kid home. That's interesting. I really, really enjoyed it. Also has Veronica Cartwright, who played ah. Dallas in um, 
the first Alien film. Mm-hmm. It has Mr. Cliff DeYoung. Everyone's favorite. Who we'll be talking about in a few episodes from now in, a, in another film. Mm-hmm. Old Shovelmouth himself. Yes. <laughs> and he's he's actually really good in that. If it's 4th of July and you're, you don't feel like uh, watching a very long movie, you just want to have some fun on 4th of July if you're inside or it's rainy or something or i don't know you just don't have any friends <laughs> stay you can watch you can watch it's on disney plus it's an hour and a half i highly highly recommend just to hear peewee herman as the voice of a spaceship <laughs> that sounds awesome megan look up who the director of that movie is because it, it was i feel like it might be someone that would surprise us yeah i can't think of who it was randall Kleiser. Kwe- oh wait randall Kleiser. randall Kleiser. That's how you pronounce yeah. it. I don't look, know. Yeah, but that up, name sounds familiar. Look up look anything that he's been in. Uh, but the kid who plays David is... He's, a, he's an 80s annoying kid. Uh-huh. But you can kind of get past that. He's not the most annoying 80s kid. He grows on you? He grow, He he does grow on you. But he, right. he has that, you know... Who's dead? Right. <laughs> is a line he says when they, they take him to the police station. <laughs> and he's being held by the police. Cause and then they go through the, the the computer and they say that David's been dead eight years and he was wearing the exact clothes this kid's was wearing. Right. And then he goes to his house to he falls in the pit. He wakes up and he thinks, "Oh, I've been gone like five minutes. I'm gonna go home." Mm-hmm. He goes. He knocks on the door. It's like in Jumanji when he's like, "Mom, Dad, I'm home." Right? But but it's a different family living there. Oh, that's and so he pushes past this old lady. And is running through the house screaming, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad. That's so sad. <laughs> and then the, 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 the man of the house comes out of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And like, there's this, this strange kid running around his house. And, he's, and the man's wearing a bathrobe. And he goes, what's the matter, son? Is everything all right? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, Megan, do you have an answer on that? His best known film that he directed was Grease. Oh, oh that's why okay. I knew the That's name. probably why. Okay. And he also directed The Blue Lagoon with Ooh. Luke Shields. Right, right. This is sound sounding familiar. USA with Jamie Lee Curtis. Excellent. Uh, Honey, I blew up the kid. Oh, that's, that's why. why we knew of him. Wow. Summer, Have you ever heard anyone be so excited? Lovers. Have you ever heard anyone be so excited for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids too? <laughs> so definitely check out uh, Fly the Navigator on. Disney Explorers Plus. is another one I have to check. Is Explorers that, one, that on? one's on Prime? At least when. We're recording it on yeah. Prime. Uh, that's that, where I watch because right? that's the other one that I know on those lists. They always mention Fly the Navigator and Explorers. Yeah. And he also directed the Honey I Shrunk the Audience show for Disney. Oh, all right. Go ahead. Well, what's your recommendation? So the first movie I want to recommend is it's a movie that I first had very, very, very negative feelings towards, and in subsequent years I have revisited it. Is it one of ours? They've dwindled away. No, it's not one of ours. And I've had a more positive outlook on the movie. I still don't think it's 100% great, but it is a movie that takes place on the 4th of July and takes place over the course of one whole day. Okay. It's a sequel. You want to take a guess at what it might be? I'm remembering what you told me. Is it one of the ones you told me? Probably. Probably Does it involve zombies? No. That's a different one. It's a sequel. Takes place over the course of one day. And this is the last hint. Okay. We talked about this series on our very first episode. Mallrats. That's Mars. not a series. It doesn't have a series. Oh, Adam's Family Values. No. It's a series. It's a series of who, films. Who, oh, a series of films. Oh. Right. It's, it's the fourth movie. The fourth movie? In a franchise. It's not Muppets. 
No. Give me an actor in the movie. Mr. Bruce Willis. Oh! Yeah, it's uh, Live Free or Die Hard. You know, I need to leave. <laughs> How could I not guess that one? Even worse, you told me that, and I couldn't. I, could, I remembered the other one. Yeah, go ahead. That's so, it. So, good. Go, good. Let's talk about this one. Live Free or Die Hard is a weird experience for me, because this movie came out when I was in middle school, and I was, like, ripe to see... This was, like, r- the perfect age for me to see this. I was... I believe 11 or 12 years old when this came out and it was PG 13. So I could go see this in the theater with no adult supervision. I forgot about that. Right, right, right. And so I see the movie and it's such a drastic tone change from the first three films on top of the fact that now John McClane's looking a little bit more beat up. He's, he's going through some things yet. It's also a little bit more on the tame side with the violence. There's certainly no, famous catchphrase that can't be uttered and it felt kind of like a slap in the face for us fans of die hard yet as years have gone on i've given it another shake and i think that it is definitely better than i originally thought Mm -hmm. because the action is really well done and a lot of it is done in camera. And Mr. Len Wiseman, I think, was right. Who is responsible for the Underworld? Like I believe it's Underworld one and three, and the Total Recall remake, which I actually really like. Mm-hmm. I don't like it more than the original, but a lot of the action he's able to do is done in camera. And while it gets over the top and ridiculous, like cars are flying into helicopters. I, that that part I he, remember. I believe he is able to land a jet plane through a highway that then causes more cars to explode. <laughs> I mean, this is not the same Die Hard that we had before. Because when I saw that Die Hard for the first time, I might have seen it before I saw two or three. Oh, okay. So even though I saw just the first one at that point, it's still drastically different. Mm-hmm. And my memory of it is that if they called it something else, and if it wasn't John McClane, that I probably would have liked it more. I think that is a big downfall because it's not that he doesn't feel like John McClane anymore. I mean, it's analog versus digital, right? Mm -hmm. He's partnered with Justin Long, who is this (laughs) cyber (laughs) chum, and he knows how to hack things really well. The future walrus himself. Right. (laughs) But you have the gruff and grizzled John McClane, who's used to shoot first, ask questions later. Isn't the whole fish out of water quality of the film that, it involves computers to a degree. Yeah, the and, and bad guy's uh, scheme in this is a digital, it's called a fire sale, I believe, and that, and in that, which they are cyber terrorists who are hacking all the different branches of the government and, you know, they're holding things ransom for money. And, but that McLean is not a computer savvy guy. No. Is I think, like the way that the first one he was in LA, the second one he was in um, Washington, Washington. D.C. Which he's back in Washington, D.C. Oh, in this one. Like the th- and it takes place on the 4th of July. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, I know there's a Kevin Smith cameo. Where yeah, he, plays he, bl- plays, he also plays a cyber chum. The Warlock. Of, right. And I remember him, like, in a, in a uh, chair the whole time. Yeah, he basically, they go to his house, which is essentially, like, a Kevin Smith's mom's house that he's like living out of <laughs> and i remember oh i hadn't thought that J- kevin smith justin long right were in um well he directed him he directed in tusk. him in tusk and and well in reboot and in zach, zach and, mary. and mary and isn't timothy oliphant the villain yes timothy oliphant 
Kevin Smith were in my favorite Jennifer Garner movie. Catch and Release. Catch and Release. Look at that. Which I love that movie. But I think that Die Hard 4 might get a too harsh of a bad rap amongst fans because, yes, it is PG-13. Yes, it does seem a little bit not like a Die Hard movie mm-hmm. anymore. But it's not nearly as bad as the movie that came What's after that. What's the basic that. plot? So John McClane, once again, is right guy at the wrong place at the wrong time. So for the fourth time. Right. But he stumbles across a plot that these cyber terrorists are using where they're bombing people's houses remotely or something like that. It's a little bit on the complicated side. But this one really expands. Like, I know that the third one expands from the close, you know, like we're in one Yeah, it's no longer one confined area. This is, you're, we're jumping through cities. I mean, he goes from... Because at least the first, or the third one is is set in... Just... New York. Until the very end of the movie. Yeah, I guess they go to Connecticut. However... A Long Island sound. However... I think that Die Hard 4 is worth a watch because it does have the kind of elements that still make the originals great, but it's just a different breed almost because I think it was 10 years after Die Hard 3. Yeah. When did that come out? 2007? 2006, 2007. And, and when was Die Hard 3? I think it was 95. Yeah, 95, yeah. So it's quite a quite a while between movies, and is this with Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Who oh, plays... this is where they bring her, her the kid. Oh, that's always rough. Yeah, where they bring in John McClane's daughter, daughter, and then the fifth one. She's involved son. as a hostage at near the end of the movie, and then the fifth one they bring in his son. Right, that's always trouble. That's a trope you hate. But I remember my my only memory of it. I remember they throw a car into an airplane, I think, or a helicopter. Right. And I remember thinking that the story is okay, the characters are okay, but it doesn't quite feel John McClane. It feels mm-hmm. like we've gone beyond... Well, Die Hard's always a strange one because they always were initially trying to put McClane in a different closed spot. Mm-hmm. Like the original plot of Die Hard 3, also a summer movie, was on a cruise ship. Right. Which then evolved into being Speed 2, Two Cruise, cruise Control. control. Which, by the way, cruise ships, not notoriously fast. No. Unless you have uh, a really good motor on, on one of those. <laughs> and I do want to give that another shot because I remember I think that you just have okay. to go into it with the mentality that this is not really Die Hard, but it's definitely better than Die Hard 5. I've never seen Die you, You've told me not to watch Yes, you can 5. stay far away from that one. Megan, what's your favorite Die Hard movie? I haven't seen any of them. Great. That's a researcher, folks. Wow. Riveting discussion there. Yeah. So, die, yeah, that'd be a good one. Does 4th of July play into the plot at all? Yes. It does. Because okay. when the bad guys reveal their scheme through a giant broadcasted video across the world. Oh, so like it's, Palpatine and uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. The bad guys have created a video from politicians of various eras speaking their kind of message oh god it's not so so it is a really political type of movie yeah that's all right well but it it plays into it and it really kind of has that it also it's literally called live free or die hard so which i remember which i remember bruce willis and the director hating that title i remember they actually make fun of it on the commentary really they wanted to be called die hard 4.0 for like a computer oh okay more computer that you know live free or die obviously i think you know is has a whole history i mean it's a little corny title. Both it's, both aren't great options. No, neither neither are exactly um, Quacks or Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, Megan, before we get to my last one, do you have any 4th of July movies that you particularly like? Real quick. My my choice, <laughs> my next choice is a Disney movie. Okay. It's an obscure Disney movie. It's a live action movie. All right. It's a musical by the Sherman Brothers. It has Kurt Russell. Oh, I know what this is. And is about the 1888 presidential election. Put your over your shoulder for Grover. The Dakotas. The Dakotas. <laughs> and this has one of the longest titles of a movie I've ever heard of. Even longer than Quacks Your Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx, I'm just thinking. <laughs> this is a movie that is so obscure I had no idea it existed. Till Nick and I, I think, were at the Barnes & Noble in Paramus. And you stumbled across the there, Kurt Russell... No, no. I stumbled upon that one, too. But there was the one I have is called the Disney 4-Pack. Four 4-Pack four Classics. Oh, you're right. Which has... In the collection, a movie called Darby O'Gill and Little People, which is about as offensive as you can possibly get, starring Sean Connery, involving leprechauns. Mm -hmm. The other movie in the pack is The Happiest Millionaire, which is a three-hour epic. Which you have not watched Which I still yet, haven't right? watched. There's a, another movie called The Gnomobile. Which is, is that a sequel to? People think that. The Gnomobile pairs the two kids from Mary Poppins in this other movie involving gnomes. I know I've seen it only once. Those two kids, Karen Daughtrice and Matthew Garber, I believe, their families were friends. And so they, okay. they were in three Disney movies together. Mary Poppins, Gnomobile. And then that the, the one Nine about the Lives, cat, right? The, the Three Lives of Thomasina or something. Something like that. Which was based on a novel written by the writer of the Poseidon Adventure. It all comes back to the Poseidon Adventure somehow. Of course. Unfortunately, the movie I'm recommending today does not have Shelley Winter swimming. No. This is a movie called The One and Only Genuine Original Family Band. <laughs> Whew. Get that out of your system. Wow. And it's about this singing family. They're living somewhere in middle America. They're a band. Their goal is to play at the 1888 Democratic National Convention for Grover Cleveland. <laughs> Grover Cleveland, by the way, the only president to be born in New Jersey. That's right. And the plot sees the family, the Bowers, move to the Dakotas, or rather the Dakota Territory, where there's a lot of problems and conflict going on because of the Republicans. They don't want the Dakotas to be split into two states. That's right. But the Democrats... Oh, they want the, the states into two. That way they can send more Congress people to, to Washington. Right. This is a, You're right. I forgot. This is a strangely political it, movie. It's an extraordinarily political movie because <laughs> the father... Okay, here's who, here's who the family is. There's a bunch of kids. One kid is named Mayo. <laughs> he is named after... A condiment. A condiment. There is a son, one of the many sons, played by a young Kurt Russell. He's somewhere in the middle, yeah. right? Kurt Russell, shortly after this, would be signed to a contract where he would appear in many, many very strange Disney movies, which we'll get to later in the season. The mother is played by an actress, and the father is played by Buddy Epson, who was, was on Beverly Hills. He was the original Jed Clampett. We talked this episode about the professor from Gilligan's Island. We've also now talked about the original Jed Clampett. <laughs> The father is a... Uh, he's a Republican, He's a Republican. Right? The leader of the band is Buddy Epson's father, played by Walter Brennan, who is Grandpa Bauer. And he's the staunch Democrat, He's a staunch right? pro-Grover Cleveland Democrat. And they're fighting a lot, and they go to the Dakotas, and... The, oh, the other daughter is played by Leslie Ann Warren. Oh, that's right. Who is in love with a boy from the town the they town. moved to, who they've had a long-distance 
relationship and i think it's, it's kind of like a liesel and rolf situation from sound of music exactly exactly and i can look up what leslie and warren's character's name is in that she falls Her character's name is alice alice okay alice falls in love with the guy but he's a, but he's a republican Right. And Grandpa's, he's a Democrat, and he loves Grover Cleveland. And so there's a lot of conflict going on. I'm just remembering part of the, the movie. Yeah, are you talking about the school part? There's the school part, and there's the way the movie ends. But talk about the school part, because okay. that... Okay, to be honest, there's not a lot of plot, really, in this movie. It's there's more just moments, moments that... And it's about the, the, the conflict between the Republicans and the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I, I really like this movie is it's strangely relevant to today. Mm. The 1888 election is famous f- as one of the few elections where the popular vote and the electoral vote went to different people. Oh. Which has happened recently, and it's <laughs> it's something that is a lot of conflict amongst those same exact groups, mm-hmm. even though at the time those groups were, were the, flipped, were the right? a- opposite of what they wanted. But at one moment in the movie, Alice has to go down to the board of vet, essentially, to explain why Grandpa was singing a pro Grover Cleveland song, <laughs> let's put it over with right. Grover. There's a scene where the boyfriend, Joe Gardner, oh that's right, he comes to Alice and says, "Hey Alice, everyone is really freaked out by Grandpa's behavior, where he came to town and was singing songs about Grover, Grover Cleveland, because most people in the town are Benjamin Harris fans, mm-hmm. but there's there's some Democrats." You have, you got to go down to the board of that and straighten this out before you go to start school because she's a the school teacher. Mm-hmm. So Joe Gardner says to Grandpa, "Hey, I know you're crazy, but would you mind going down to the school and watching the kids for a minute and telling <laughs> them that school is canceled?" So Grandpa does, and he brings, I believe, the youngest children I with think him. Some of them are in the school, yeah. And one of the sort of snot nosed kids is like. Well, my father told me that you're a Democrat, and Democrats are awful. And Grandpa then leads into a five-minute song (laughs) and gets these young kids involved that don't have any idea what anything means. And they're like, by the end of the song, they're like, we're Democrats now! (laughs) And it is just so crazy because it's inappropriate already. (laughs) But this is the dumbest idea, especially if Joe Gardner thinks... Well, you know, Grandpa is weird. Grandpa is not okay for this town. Right. Joe, send him to the school children right now. Joe Gardner, a staunch Republican, is like, you know what? I want to send this Democrat down to school, even though I know he's going to be shouting and screaming about pro-Grover Cleveland. <laughs> There's actually a part that I love the interaction. Imagine it today. This family arrives, and they start to sing a pro-Cleveland song, mm-hmm. and all surrounded by all these Republicans. And someone steps up and starts shouting at them. And a Democrat says to a Republican, sit down, you silly Republican. (laughs) We're bipartisan here. Right. The Republican responds with, why don't you be quiet, you dumb Democrat? At least there's some good alliteration there. (laughs) And this is a movie that has really not a lot going on. Then comes the ending. Which is... Unbelievable. This is a great ending. And I forget if it's the national convention or if it's just sort of the convention in town. It's it's election night. Mm-hmm. And they're you know, they're getting the receipts about twenty points to Benjamin Harrison, thirty points to Slytherin. Right. Or uh <laughs> yeah. Grover Cleveland. And why don't you tell what happens at the end of this movie? So they're all gathered in the town and they're they're counting up the points and as they're coming in more and more 
eventually a a kerfuffle begins. That's a good word. That's a good 1800s word for it, kerfuffle. It's a small, it's a small little, um, let's say an argument. Right. A small argument that quickly devolves into a full on, essentially fist fight. It's a fist fight. This family movie about singing and dancing and kids and ends and, with the entire town throwing each other across the room. The entire town using <laughs> violence against each other. The entire town beats the crap out of each other <laughs> in this and 1880s town and in the Dakotas. And it goes on for I would say well over five well, minutes. Also, let's remember it began as a dance number. And the the only reason I think people remember this movie is because Kurt Russell is in it, and in a small, brief cameo. Oh, you're right. Who else is in this movie? Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, and they're, they're, I think it's the first time they met, and the first time they worked together. I mean, they don't really. No, they don't in interact. The same, I was a little overboard. Did you see this movie? No. Oh, they're in the same scene, but they don't have any real interaction. But no. Goldie Hawn credits this as the movie that they met. So for that, it's interesting. Yeah, Overboard, I think, is one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. But, but the, it is this hilarious. dance scene evolved, devolves into just, just beating the snot out of each other <laughs> at this like election night. And that's why I say it's it's a fairly relevant. Right. Because their only gripe with each other is that... Is who won. Because I believe at first the fight begins right, well, here, where... Here's what happened. And this is, this is historically correct. Mm-hmm. Grover Cleveland won the popular vote. But he lost the electoral vote. Mm-hmm. So at first the Democrats are celebrating because he won the electoral vote. And then this very forlorn guy wanders in and he goes, hold it, no, Benjamin Harrison won. And then it's just an endless brawl that goes on forever. But more important than the brawl, which is important, right? the songs are really, really good for the most part. There's a few clunkers. Yeah. But it's the it's the Sherman brothers who wrote... Mary Poppins and... Uh, did they do Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? Yes. What else? Right? They also do the song for Carousel of Progress. Yeah, Carousel of Progress. They, mm-hmm. they were all over Disney. And this originally was supposed to be a two-part episode of the wonderful world of Disney. But Disney, you know, Walt, said, oh, I like this so much. Let's add some more to it. And it became a full movie. You can feel that at times. It does sag at certain points. You do sit around thinking, well, what am I watching exactly? If I kind of remember, too, the songs are not, they're not spaced out great. No. The songs are either very close to each other. Or they're or like very completely... far apart. But there's some really good catchy tunes. And there was a longer version of this that was like a three-hour version. Oh, I wouldn't be able to have said this But they, this cut, it, they cut it down to an hour 50. Okay. Which is a more manageable amount. It's not set at 4th of July, but it, it very much is a political... Movie. About a very... Like, you wouldn't think, well, let's yeah, do... A very a, small, specific section Yeah, of, about the 1888 presidential election, which no one really... I mean, okay, the, the election of Lincoln, or the election of George Washington. Right. Or election of FDR. Or FDR. Or any of those... Or any of his four elections. Mm-hmm. You don't think Grover Cleveland doesn't necessarily <laughs> no. spring he to one. He gets short shrifted. Yeah, he gets short shrifted. But the one and only genuine original family band... You I can, don't know where you could find this other the, than the DVD. I was thinking that. It's not on Disney Plus for some reason. I don't know why. They, they They only just added The Happiest Millionaire. You can find it on Amazon Prime where you got to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's only like $9. I think you can also rent it. Sure. Rent it. Buy the DVD. See it alone for the school 
yard scene and for the brawl at the end yeah, of the movie. Yeah, where Walter Brennan goes insane. <laughs> Megan, do you have some details for it's us? It's also on iTunes. It's also on iTunes. There you go. You can get it for we don't know if we are. You can buy it for seventeen ninety nine. Whoa, that's way too expensive. That's way, go I think that's, what, that's how much you paid for the whole pack. Yeah, go look up on uh, Amazon. One only genuine original family band. I enjoy it. I think you might want to check it out. Yeah, you have to see it because... It's the most obscure Disney movie I can think of at this point to recommend to you. Yeah. You have any information for us, Megan? On DVD, you can get it for $9.99. That's not bad. And Prime Video, you can rent it for $3.99 oh. or buy it for $9.99. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That Go so ahead. If, especially if you're a Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn completionist. Yeah. you got to make sure you get this one. Now, before we uh, close out, Megan... What were the movies we talked about today? Let's see if you're paying attention. <laughs> we talked about Clifford. No, Megan, that was before. No. That was before, <laughs> that was before the, the, the mics no. were on. No. No. <laughs> what movies did we talk about in this episode? Fight of the Navigator. Fight of the Navigator. Live Free and Die Hard. Live Free or Die or Hard. Or Okay. The one and only genuine original family band. Good. And? Do you remember the two shows we talked about? The Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> Man, you actually gave more information <laughs> about this show. Remember it involved... Liberty's Kids. Liberty's okay. Kids. Wow, that was... That was Nordea. That was painful. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, to, to sum that up, we, we talked about... Fly the Navigator, the one only general original family band. Live for your die Live hard. Live for your die hard. Liberty's Kids and, and the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. So, and we talked a little bit about Jaws also. We threw right. that in there. So we hope you have a happy, uh, not Thanksgiving, a happy, happy Fourth. Fourth of July. Yeah, have a barbecue for us. We're not invited, I'm guessing. I'm not going. But celebrate this day with your friends and family. Stay safe, everyone. We hope that you have a great of course, maybe Fourth. you're listening to this in December. Maybe you didn't get to this episode in time. And in which case... There well, is still a holiday in December. There is still a holiday in December. So maybe you're watching this, listening to this on uh, on Christmas. Maybe. That'd be a good one. Hey, Merry Christmas then. <laughs> <laughs> and also Happy Halloween. Who knows? Who knows what day to die the But we can't forget about Arbor Day. Yeah. And Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> So we'll see you next time. Megan, thanks for joining us. Megan, we had a good time with you. You were mostly quiet. And, and you were sometimes and, useful. And you got all of our questions. That's true. So you you, you completed you know your what? test. We'll give you a nice little round of applause there. That's it. We'll give you a Dumbledore clap. Right. As always, I am your host, Nick Zaccario, and I am joined by my cousin and co-host. Taylor Zaccario. We'll see you next time. Be well and bye-bye. Obscure Obsessions is directed, written, and edited by Taylor and Nick Sicario, and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom, Stockwaves, and Walpurnian Music for providing the score. Follow Obscure Obsessions on Facebook and Instagram, username at ObscurePodcast in all lowercase, and on Twitter, username at ObscurePod, uppercase O and uppercase P, for episode details, previews, and more.